Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. A fact about last season. A fact about last season in the sense that Brian Dable was the NFL Coach of the Year last year. Why do I bring that up? I bring that up because you could never ever tell by watching the Giants play that they are coached by the reigning Coach of the Year. You can barely tell by watching the Giants play that they're coached by anybody at all, let alone the guy who was named the best coach in the NFL last year. And unfortunately, we have all watched the Giants play because we have all been forced, forced to watch this team in prime time over and over and over again. And now that we've already sat through four, four, giant primetime losses already this season, I think we're all now experts on the fact that they're not good. The Giants are not good, nor are they watchable, nor do they belong on primetime television. In fact, they don't really belong on any television or streaming platform or otherwise. We don't need any more games to figure this out. So absolutely no thanks to the NFL schedule makers, and if it's not too much to ask, stop jamming these guys down our collective throats. We've had enough. I mean, these dudes haven't even scored an offensive touchdown in over three games now. It's been 205 minutes of game action since they actually scored a tutty. That is shockingly pathetic. And it actually begs a really, really important question. How the hell did the Bills nearly lose to these guys? Buffalo just barely squeaked by last night, and they needed help from a very generous no-call on the final play of the game. Oh, and also, that epic disaster by the Giants going into halftime. They're going to hand it off. It's Barkley. He's trying to run. He's not going to get there. Can they get it down? I don't think so. They are not going to do it. Five seconds and four. Giants trying to get on the ball. They can't. And that's a terrible, terrible clock management end of the half. That's awful. I don't even think that two terribles and one awful does that justice. Somehow the Giants call it a play with a pass option and a run option at the goal line with no timeouts left. And somehow, Tarod Taylor ends up checking to the run play. And somehow, the Bills nearly lose to these dudes? Seriously, who and what are the Bills? I know they're banged up, but who and what are the Bills? I've already asked multiple times this season, and it just seems to get murkier and murkier. Are they the team that curb-stopped the Dolphins... Or are they the team that needed multiple miracles to squeeze by the Terod Taylor-led Giants? I mean, I'm still not clear on this. That's awful. It is awful. Now, what I am clear on, and I'm totally clear on this, is that the Giants are brutal. And they're a brutal watch. And somehow, we're not even done with these guys yet on primetime. They're 0-4 under the lights already this season, and they still have another Monday night game scheduled. When really the single, only single entertaining thing about them in prime time is the way they introduced themselves, at least last night. Did you catch Justin Pugh's intro? Now this dude gets it. This guy's entertaining. This guy wins on some level. Check this dude out. Justin Pugh, straight off the couch. Great line. And... Absolutely true. This dude was straight off the couch. They signed that dude right off his couch last week to play guard. He ends up starting the next game at right tackle. And then thanks to an injury, he was playing left tackle before halftime. Signed right off his couch to be the Giants' left tackle. Yeah, that sounds about right. Justin Pugh, straight off the couch. I mean, this is the type of garbage. This is the type of stuff that the Giants have. They've got guys trying to defend their quarterback, quote, straight off the couch, and yet Buffalo can't put them away? That wasn't the only good intro either. Dexter Lawrence went for the self-gloss. 
Sexy Dexy, Clemson. Sexy Dexy. Unlike Sexy Rexy in New Mexi, that Sexy Dexy self-gloss is completely allowed and even encouraged. Rex in Albuquerque. Actually, they call me Sexy Rexy from New Mexi. Sexy Rexy from New Mexi. So anyway, credit to the Giants for the laughs. But that's about the only thing they're good for. But I will admit, they are good for laughs. I'll also give Terod Taylor this much. He wasn't any worse than Danny Turnovers. Now, he wasn't any better, but he's also not the one on a $160 million contract. That wasn't just an ugly win for Buffalo. It was a hideous win. It was a disgusting act. That is a disgusting act. You can say, we don't give a damn. We don't care how it looks. It doesn't matter. A dub's a dub's. A win's a win. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. When I'm looking at this Buffalo team, and I don't know what I'm going to get week to week, I don't know if that's accurate. Because that last night was a disgusting act. That is a disgusting act. Still counts. And a hideous win always beats a hideous loss, even if it is a disgusting act. That is a disgusting act. But you'll always take a hideous win over a hideous loss. Am I right, Niners? Am I right, Philly? Yeah, that's right. Those old bags. The ones that are still left. Down in Miami are nursing champagne hangovers this morning because those old bags were doing what they do best, bagging it up, getting all baggy with it, with the baggiest tradition in all sports, popping the bubbly to celebrate the last undefeated team losing. Hey, Bags, y'all were great players. Y'all are part of an amazing team. But let me ask you something. How would you feel... If people started to pop champagne bottles when you passed on to the next life. One by one. That wouldn't be classy. That wouldn't be cool. Now, I'm not saying that the last undefeated team going down is the equivalent of you going into the ground. But what if everybody did that? Anyway, I digress. The two remaining undefeateds didn't just lose yesterday. They lost to the Coog Hunter and to P.J. Walker. Now, I get that it's any given Sunday in that league. I tell you this all the time. But this was absurd even for any given Sunday. I mean, P.J. Walker beating the Niners. The Coog Hunter beating the Eagles. Are we serious? Are we serious? Granted, the Eagles have been getting by without playing very well. We know this. The Niners lost Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel in that game. And that made for a brutal day for Brock Purdy. And it wasn't much better for Jalen Hurts. And Jets head coach Bob Saul wants to make sure that everybody knows that that defense is making life miserable on good quarterbacks. Through these first six weeks, we've played a gauntlet of quarterbacks. And um, I know we haven't gotten all wins, but we've embarrassed all of them. And uh, just really, really proud of, of the defense and its resolve. Saw something. We haven't gotten all wins, but we've embarrassed all of them. All right. Well, why do we keep score then? Bottom line is, did you or did you not embarrass the opposing quarterback? And apparently you've embarrassed all of them. you got to love this guy. you got to love Bob Sala. The dude's either keeping receipts or making bulletin board material. Those are his only two modes. And let's just forget the fact that they lost to Mac Jones. Dak feasted on them. It's not like Dak is having an MVP year. And Mahomes struggled, but he won the game. Never mind all that. But I will give Robert receipts this. He does deserve credit for getting this team to the bye at 3-3. Three and three. 
They get back to 500. They're at the bye. And all of a sudden now, maybe we can have a conversation about them. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Maybe. And they just beat the Eagles without sauce and without my guy DJ Reed. So I guess Bob can talk whatever smack he wants after that, even if that smack really doesn't make any sense at all. And as surprising as the Jets-Eagles was, Browns-Niners was straight up shocking. Even in the NFL, where anything can happen and does happen, that's shocking. P.J. Walker beating the Niners. I would tell you that's impossible, except that I just watched it happen. And Jim Schwartz continues to own Kyle Jr. Lobster Shanahan. Sorry about that, Head. Not sorry. And that's where the big takeaway here for Cleveland. That win was enormous for the Browns because it reminds them of what they actually are. And what they actually are is a defensive team. And a damn good one at that. That's what they are. One of the best defenses, if not the single best defense in the NFL. And what they're not is Deshaun Watson's team. How fitting is it that they got their biggest win of the Watson era without Watson on the field? Right? And does that not also beg the question then, what the hell was even the point of that $230 million guaranteed contract? Let me repeat that. The biggest win of the Watson era came with Watson nowhere near the field. So great day for the Browns. And not a great day for the creep. Although nobody in the NFL had a worse day than the dude whose career and legacy are in a total freefall right now. The mumbling grump who just told us that his plan was to start over in the middle of the season. Remember that whole conversation last week? Start all over. What does that mean, start all over? Start all over. He said it. He said after last week's loss, we're going to start all over. Start all over. Yeah, well, look what that got you. Look what starting all over, start all over. looks like for the Patriots. I'll tell you what it looks like to me. Starting all over. Starting all over. Starting all over looks like the same exact crap that came before it. Now, in fairness to the hood, man, the Pats did at least compete. At least they competed this week. They didn't just get their doors blown off and pack it in by halftime like they had the previous two weeks. Nope. They stayed in it all the way to the end against no less a killer than Brian the Destroyer Hoyer. And then they lost anyway. Hoodman is clearly frustrated. And at this point, it's kind of hard to blame the old guy, right? The team that he himself built... Let's never forget that. The team that he himself assembled has no talent. And his coaching is ineffective. Of course the hood man is red-assed. We saw him take it out on a tablet on the sideline during the game. And then we saw him get violent with the NFL media microphone again once he hit the podium after the game. Check out the start of the hood's presser. Yeah. All right, well, you know, obviously we just couldn't couldn't quite make enough plays here tonight. Yeah, um, yeah, uh. 
Yeah, because it's the microphone's fault that you can't move the football, move the chains. It's the microphone's fault that you can't get anything done in any of the three phases. It's the microphone's fault that you are a roster bereft of talent. Just blame it all on the mic. Just keep taking it out on the mic. This dude's taking on his frustrations on an inanimate object. In fact, inanimate objects at this point. It's like this guy thinks that if I beat down the mic, if I cold cock the mic, maybe I won't have to answer any questions about how pathetic my pathetic team is. Okay, Bill, how does it feel to lose to your longtime offensive coordinator and longtime backup QB? All right, well, you know. Hey, Bill, wait a minute. You said last week. You said last week you were going to start over. And when we asked what that entailed, you just said, starting over. Do you think the team found a fresh start today? (laughs) Have some, Mike. All right, well. Have some more, Mike. Hey, Hey, Mr. Microphone, have some more. Hey, Bill, let me ask you something. That offense. That offense under your guy, Bill O'Brien, does not look any different and certainly not any better under the offense that you were running under Fat Matt the Ticonderoga. Do you expect to see any improvement soon? Couldn't. you like that, Mr. Microphone? Couldn't quite make enough plays. I like it a lot, Coach. Thank you, man. I have another. You got to love my guy, Tom Curran. I love Tom Curran. Tom Curran asking Hoodman about his microphone antics this morning. And the Hoodman giving one of the most ridiculous answers of all time. One last question i got to ask. How come you keep taking down the microphones at the beginning of the post-game press conferences? we got them all nice and set up there. We're ready to go. So I can see you guys. See? If I don't ask, I don't know. Thank you. You're welcome. So I can see you guys? So I can see you guys. Like, like the microphone is some giant skyscraper you can't see around? You're beating up the microphones so you can see the assembled media. Dude, there's nothing you like and respect less than the assembled media. You don't want to see the assembled media, especially right now, Hood. Come on. Whatever you say, Bill. You just want to make sure you have some real answers for your boss. I mean, you can, you can do us like that. doesn't matter what you say to us. doesn't matter how you treat us. But if you try to pull that, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, Bob, can't see you around this mic. I can see you guys. I can't see you, Bob. And what I can't see, I can't hear. And what I can't hear, I can't answer. So we're just going to start over, Bob. See you next week. Get out of my office, Bob. Now, what, what I'm saying is you better have some real answers for your actual boss when your boss wants to know what the hell happened this year and what you're doing to fix it. Because something tells me Bob Kraft is not going to be satisfied with your typical mumbling bullcrap this time. That act only works when you're ripping Lombardi's. That act only works when you were ripping Lombardi's, when you had Bacon 46, ripping his throws, and coaching everybody up on the field. My times have changed. Back then, the only thing Bill treated worse than the presser Mike was his sleeves. Now the Patriots sound engineer is turning on the guy, too. So I can see you guys. So I can see you guys. It's one mic, dude. It's not even like a gaggle of mics that are taped together like back in the day. Remember? Where everybody would crawl up there on their knees and set up their mics on the podium. And somebody would duct tape them all together. Dude, it's not like some giant shrub or berm that you have to see clear of to get a visual. The old Bill would have grabbed that mic with authority and mumbled the media. Now you have Hoyer the Destroyer kicking his tail on the field, and now a screw on his mic stand is piling on. Sucks for you, Bill. Couldn't, Couldn't quite make enough plays here tonight. Hey there, let me talk to you for a minute about HelloFresh. 
HelloFresh is where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your front door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, a crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week, so there is always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. And with so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every single bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Given my schedule, I absolutely love HelloFresh. I love how fresh it is. I love the options it gives me. And I know that I'm eating well and it tastes incredible. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Roam and use the code 50Roam for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use that code 50Roam and get 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is awesome. In fact, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. He is Charles Robinson and joins us via Zoom. What's up, brother? Charles, how you doing, man? What's going on, brother? Great to talk to you, as always. Thanks for making time for us, as always. Why don't we start first with, man, what a wild weekend that was. Starting with the Niners. They lose their first game of the year. They also lose Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel in the process. You've got a rejuvenated Cleveland defense, which limits Brock Purdy. Hands him his first regular season loss of his career. I mean, I laid out half of it, but what were your biggest takeaways from that game? Well, I mean, first and foremost, the the Cleveland defense, it's funny to wake up today and hear people saying, well, why, why isn't anybody talking about the Cleveland defense? Everyone's been talking about the Cleveland <laughs> defense. It's just people get so focused on Deshaun Watson, they're not seeing the great things that Cleveland's brought to the table. Jim Schwartz, the, the addition as defensive coordinator there, has made a huge difference. Um, I, I think that game, though, it's interesting, kind of a microcosm when you look at both Philly um, and the 49ers and why they lose – if you get those two quarterbacks to play in the pocket and manage in the pocket where they're both guys, when they, they get outside the pocket, they get on the move, they like to make plays happen, they can do some off-script stuff, it gets a little bit more difficult. But I do think that some of those injuries that you mentioned, Debo Samuel is, I, I think, a number one chess piece in that offense, other than maybe George Kittle when it comes to giving Brock Purdy some flexibility to work with. Christian McCaffrey, I think up until that game last night, I think you could logically talk about him potentially being in the MVP conversation over the expanse of the season. And then Trent Williams, when your best, probably your best player, let's be honest, Trent Williams, that's the level Trent Williams plays at, at the offensive tackle spot. When he gets banged up in a game like that and maybe is a little more limited than you'd like against a really good defensive front, this is how the 49ers end up with their first loss of the season. They're going to be okay, though. Fair <laughs> enough. Charles Robinson joining us. So let me follow you to your other point. The Jets did the Eagles. Jalen Hurts unraveled. He had three picks. I mean, Philly does not look like the same crew as they did last year. Of course, plenty of time left, plenty of football left. But you know the old saying, you are what your record sure. says you are. To you, do the Eagles look as good as their 5-1 and one mark suggests? Yeah, I, I think they are, but I do think that there was when you watch that game, what don't you want? You don't want Philly to morph into a passing offense, like just strictly a pass. That's what it was. It became the Jalen Hurts show, but not in the typical, hey, we've got the strong running game. He's got RPOs working for him. Um, he's doing it in different ways. The Jets did a great job. They limited him. They kept him in the pocket and they said, OK, we're going to force him to throw, throw, throw and see if we can create mistakes with a great front that can pressure. And then a secondary, even without their top corners, it's still a pretty good secondary uh, for the Jets. So I, to me, I think that's a little more of a template than what we saw with the 49ers and the Browns. I, I do think, Philly, there is some vulner vulnerability there if you take Jalen Hurts and you force it into a situation where 
He's got to throw it 40 times a game. God forbid, 50 times in a game. You can beat the Eagles because you can force them into mistakes. We saw that with Hurts last night. Charles Robinson joining us. All right, so what about the Jets? So they've won back-to-back games. They get to 3-3. Three and three. You know that defense is going to show up every single yeah. Sunday. Like you said, they weren't even fully at 100%, and they still show up. Have you seen enough improvement from Zach Wilson to talk yourself into this team possibly making a run at a wild card? If you can run the ball, like it, it is a team that I think still with Dalvin Cook, with Brees Hall, um, if you can get the running game moving, if you get that, and I think that aids the offensive line too. I don't, I still, it's not a great pass protection offensive line. I think if you can balance it out and Zach Wilson doesn't have to throw the ball a ton, if he can have a game like he did last night, which wasn't, wasn't sexy at all. But when you watched him, there was a, a level of comfort that you're starting to see from him. And that is a huge leap forward when you talk to people in the Jets building. It's if he makes a mistake, can he pick himself up and then not get inside his head? And the next thing you know, everything cascades and, you know, he's falling apart. He's not, it's looking right now like he's not that guy anymore. If people go back and watch that game, just pay attention to how comfortable he looks when he's coming to the line, when he's throwing passes, being decisive, his body language with his teammates. These are all things that undermined him last year in that locker room. There was It just felt like a lot of negativity and that he was carrying it around all the time. They don't feel that way with him now. And I think some of that actually has to do with Aaron Rodgers being behind him, helping him understand the mental part of the game and not going under a rock when things go bad. Those are the steps, I think. It's not about the physical tools with Zach. It never has been. It's been all about his mentality mentally. I think that's a big part of it, what you just said about Aaron Rodgers. Charles Robinson's joining us. Now, as you tweeted yesterday, maybe, yeah, yesterday, the Patriots' one-and-five start is the worst of any in Bill Belichick's 29 seasons. As a head coach, is there any reason to believe this guy can get this thing turned around this season, or is this season already a lost cause? I I don't looking at the roster. I don't know how it's not an easy fix. You know, there's a problem at quarterback. There's a problem with the skill position. I mean, general manager, Bill Belichick has gotten coach Bill Belichick into a pickle here. That's reality. His roster is not built to turn this around quickly. You can't just reprogram a few things in a bye week. And next thing you know, they come out um, and and they're playing well. They're not particularly healthy. Um, It's just not a dynamic set of players. It looks like a reboot. That's what it looks like. And now you're sitting there and you're staring at the schedule and you're going, okay, well, geez, you got, you know, there's Miami and Buffalo coming up in the next two weeks. And I know people go, well, okay, that's, those are the next two weeks you have to worry about. No, you have to worry about the rest of the schedule. Because when you look at that schedule right now, other than maybe Denver, the Giants, all those other teams that are facing the Patriots look like they're probably going to be favored in those games. This, we're probably staring at a, three and 14 season a four and 13 season from the new England Patriots. And then the thought process of, okay, if we're restarting at quarterback, if we're going to have a ton of cap room, which the Patriots will, are we putting this in Bill's hands or is Bill going to have to have a general manager? Are there going to have to be structural changes? Are there going to have to be staff changes? Would Bill even stay around for that? I, to me, there's some element of, the end with Don Shula in Miami, where it was like ownership saying, hey, there's got to be changes on the staff. We can't keep doing the same thing we're doing. We're regressing into a hole. I feel like that's sort of where this is headed with Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick right now. Agreed. Let me ask you about something else, too, before I let you go. What about the Lions? I love the Lions, and I'm not good about hiding that fact either. Never mind a divisional title, something they have not pulled off since 1993. Are you ready to put Detroit in the Super Bowl conversation yet? They could very easily be undefeated right now. I mean, they lose the overtime game to Seattle. It looked at at moments in that game where they might have it in hand. I I think to me, though, one of the things uh, when you see, you know, Amonra St. Brown score that touchdown and you see another wide receiver flying out of nowhere to throw a huge block um, to make that play happen. And then you kind of, it was unbelievable. Like to me, that is what Dan Campbell, when you go in there and you talk to him, what he preaches in those rooms when they're in private and there's no cameras, it's let's all do this for each other. Let's every single, that every single percentage point you put out there, don't do it for yourself. Do it for the guy next to you. That's how we became this cohesive team. That's how we pulled ourselves out of this, you know, quagmire that has lasted for decades here 
I think that is believable. And I think offensively, particularly if Jamison Williams can come in and do what he did last night, which is just provide a couple big plays, they can stay healthy, run the football, get David Montgomery back on the field. They are built in a very consistent way to be able to run, to be able to pass, to have some flexibility. The defense is young and getting better. I'm with you. I think this is a real thing that's going on in Detroit right now. Charles Robinson covering so much ground. One last thought. What about the Bills? Like, one thing for the Bills to lose to the Jags in London, that'll happen. Entirely another, Charles, for them to barely scrape by a Giants-led Tarod Taylor team at home. Like, I understand Buffalo's busted up too, but what else is going on with the Bills? I, I think it's two things. I think, number one, you have the reality that throughout Josh Allen's time with the team, they have never consistently figured out how to have a very good, strong running game, right? And I think that ends up uh, manifesting itself in Josh Allen falling into the hero ball routine, right? And Brian Dayball is not there anymore. He was very good at trying to get Josh to work that out, to play within himself at times, not take chances. We saw at times last night he had dropped interceptions. I mean, um, he gets loose. And I think that that's when you start to see that Buffalo offense go on track. I think ultimately the defense is going to be fine. But if they're not able to consistently run run the football, become a more balanced, complementary team, you're going to get situations where Josh is trying to put it on his back and he's making things happen. And by the way, there were a couple times last night where he very easily could have gotten hurt. He continues to put himself in situations where he's taking a beating back there. And after we saw this weekend with quarterbacks, a multitude of quarterbacks come out of this weekend with you know, semi-serious to serious injuries, they need to get that fixed with Josh Allen down the stretch because he can't last playing like this. No, I think like nine quarterbacks were injured over the weekend. Charles Robinson, never better. He is a senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. Also, check him out as the co-host of Yahoo's Zero Blitz podcast. My dude, appreciate you so much, Charles. Thank you very much. Great job, as always. Thanks for having me, Ron. You're the best, dude. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. All right. So as you know, either by listening and or watching this show last Friday or checking my social media over the weekend, Dodger Jano and I were in Boulder, Colorado for Parents Weekend to check in on our younger son, Logan Rome a.k.a. Rogan Loam. And on top of that, to see the Coach Prime spectacle in person. And since I really don't care who wins or loses, I know some of you do not believe that, but it's the truth. I really never care who wins or loses. I only need and want something to talk about. And because that is true, that weekend did not disappoint, did it? Logs is thriving and loving college life. And why wouldn't he, right? Meanwhile, the Buffs came from ahead to pull off the single biggest meltdown in the history of that program. From a 29-0 lead at halftime to a loss in double OT against a one-win team that they were blowing out and were double-digit favorites against. In other words, that was a really, really good win for Stanford a team that never gave up on that game, and a really, really bad loss for Colorado. A team that clearly thought that game was over when they went into locker room at halftime. And remember in the days leading up to that game when Coach Prime called the 8 p.m. start, quote, the stupidest thing ever? In the end, it was actually a pretty good thing in the sense that a good chunk of that audience probably did turn that game off at halftime thinking that it was over and then just napped it out only to wake up and find out that Colorado actually lost that game. I mean, they probably did. A lot of the audience probably did turn that game off at halftime and go to sleep, which is exactly what Dion's team did. They turned that game off at halftime, and they all napped it out. 
problem is, for anybody who missed out how that game ended on Saturday night or Friday night, Saturday Night Live was there to remind everybody of how that thing went. They gave Coach Prime the full SNL treatment. So, Dodger Jano and I and Rogues all went to that game. DJ and I were sitting in the first row right behind the Buffs bench. Sidebar. Felt badly for one gal. We're in the first row. So the way it's set up, you're in the first row, then there's a pathway, and then there's the field. There's nothing between you and the field except a couple of security guards. I turn over and look to my left, and here's a gal tumbling down three steps. A header. Face plant, blood gushing from her mouth. Game hasn't even started yet. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, so that's how it's going to be. Poor gal, I felt badly for her. I look over around halftime, she still got gauze in her face. She curb stomped herself. It's like she knew what was coming. She thought, she thought that the buffs were going to curb stomp Stanford, so she curb stomped herself before it happened. I digress. So DJ and, I, DJ and I are right near that, and Rogues is in the student section, and my only issue with the late start, I didn't care at all. You know, Dion thought it was, quote, the stupidest thing ever. I had no issue at all with the late start other than it was cold as hell. And to that person who hit me up earlier, the question or the answer is this. It was cold as hell. Now, not AFC championship game in Kansas City, I have lockjaw, and I think I'm suffering a stroke on national TV. Cold. But am I going to swallow my pride, throw on this beanie, because my head and my ears are numb as hell? Cold. It was that cold. The difference between that day in Kansas City a couple of years back and Boulder Friday night, well, besides about 30 degrees, I was just better prepared this time. DJ and I hit Pearl Street earlier in the day. We bought the proper gear, so I was way more prepared. And again, it was in the 30s. It was not zero degrees or minus five degrees. It was like mid-30s. So it was cold. It was cold. But we could, we could manage the cold for the most part. But let's be clear about a couple of things. The late start, as irritating as that late start was to Coach Prime, that's not why they lost that game. They lost it because they thought they had already won it. That's why they lost. They lost because they thought the game was over at halftime. They lost because their defense could not make a play and get the hell off the field. They lost because Stanford never gave up on anything and ripped that game from them. Hell, notice after the game, Prime was not saying anything like, you better get us now while you still can. Or, this is the worst we're ever going to be, so take your shots right now. But remember, I'm keeping receipts. Nah, he wasn't doing any of that. He wasn't saying any of that. And he didn't say any of that because that would have been the most foolish thing ever. What he did instead was question the commitment of his own guys. Question the commitment of his own players and question whether or not they love the game as much as he loves the game. You know, you blow a 29-point lead at home against a team that came in with one win that you were a double-digit favorite against, you better be asking some questions of yourself, of your staff, and of your players. In the meantime, tip your damn hat to Stanford for playing the full 60. Oh, and this also is not the reason they lost, because they had no business being an OT in the first place. But I've got a question. What is Prime doing starting OT with the ball? Like, I don't understand that philosophy at all. I don't understand that decision at all. I don't even see any upside to that. Why would you do that? And sure enough, Shador Sanders, who had another big game, really big game. And by the way, how do you throw for over 400 yards, five touchdowns, and lose? How does that work? He had a really big game, but he made a really bad decision. One really bad decision where he throws a pick in the end zone. Stanford kicks the game-winning field goal. Ball game. Thanks for coming. So that meltdown is definitely a major buzzkill for the Buffs and the so-called Coach Prime phenomenon. 
I mean, you absolutely cannot lose that game. And it probably will cost them a bowl bid because looking at their schedule, there are no more gimmies on it. But overall, and it is a major buzzkill, it doesn't change how I feel about the guy overall. It doesn't change how I feel about what he's building there. Even after that meltdown, the season's not going to play out the way they had hoped, but my take remains the same. They were never going to contend for a college football playoff. That was nonsense. They were never going to contend for the Pac-12 championship. That was nonsense. But given where they were when he arrived, this season is still a success no matter what happens the rest of the way. They're still a great story. They're just not a great team. Hell, it's hard to argue that they're even a good team when they're blowing a 29-point halftime lead to a team that came in with one win. So while Coach Prime and his team had a horrible weekend, Team Rome had a great weekend in Boulder. And Folsom Field was jumping. It was jumping until it wasn't. And Boulder was popping. And our dude Rogues is thriving. And by thriving, I mean when DJ and I were at our gate yesterday at the world's biggest airport... At near 2 p.m., when we called him, he was just waking up. Or we woke him up. Again, 2 p.m., local time. Oh, and speaking of DJ, she made a rare appearance in that Instagram post. So if you want to see the family pic, head on over to Instagram right now and check that out. Go to my Instagram feed, follow me, check out the pic. Oh, and one bonus. One thing that I did not expect, DJ and Logs took me out for my birthday dinner on Saturday night, and I had arguably the greatest prime rib I have ever had in my entire life. Any restaurant, any state, any trip, ever. You know, prime rib's not easy to find anyway. Like, if Coach Prime is not hard to find, prime rib is hard to find. I mean, how often do you see it on a menu? Not that often, right? Like, I'm a meat guy, and I probably eat prime rib twice a year, maybe. No joke. This was probably, in fact, I'm not even going to qualify it. That was the best prime rib I've ever had at a restaurant in Boulder. It was so insane and so ginormous, I couldn't even bring myself to post it. And I wonder if that came from the Big Head's personal livestock. I wonder if the big head, James Kelly, is the supplier to this particular restaurant. Was anybody else there at that game? (laughs) I'll tell you who was there. All of Orange County. Everywhere I went. Hey, are you here for a parents weekend? Yes. Are you? Yes. Where are you from? Orange County. Where are you from? Orange County. Wow. Wild. Where in Orange County? Uh, DJ and I live in Irvine. Us too! Where? Uh, I mean, half that school must be from the OC. Everywhere we went. Hey, Big Head. Did you supply that restaurant with that meat? Because that was the best prime rib ever. Honestly. 1-800-636-8686. I am looking for telephone calls and reaction. How about USC? It's only a matter of time, right? Hey, Jim, the only thing worse than Neon Dion complaining about the start time was him cracking on his players and throwing their collective butts under the bus afterwards. Vince in Illinois. I don't know. They did blow a 29-point lead. I'm not saying he's without responsibility. But you know what would have been worse? You know what would have been worse than complaining about that start time? Was him saying, come and get me now. Get me while you still can. We're never going to be worse. I'm keeping receipts. That, that, that was a catastrophic loss. That was a really bad loss. And I want to make really clear with the same intensity, that was a really good win for Stanford. Really good win. They did not stop playing. They didn't give up on that game. Clearly, the Buffs are like, we're good. This game's over, man. We knocked them the hell out. They don't want us. They don't want any part of this. They don't want to be here. 
They're probably already on the bus. No, they weren't. They came out like the first half didn't even happen. Stanford came out like the first half didn't even happen. And Colorado came out like the game was already over. And there you have it. Double OT. It was cold, yo. It was cold. Just not AFC Championship Kansas City cold. That was a different breed of cold. Hey, Rome. So we're one game into the ALCS, a.k.a. World Series of Texas. I mentioned that last week. And I'm still not surprised by the Rangers. Yes, they just beat Justin Verlander in Houston in game one. And yes, I know they still have not lost a game yet in the postseason. In fact, it's even more impressive than all that. Texas hasn't just won their first six games of the postseason. They have only trailed at the end of one inning in any of those games. The Rangers aren't just on fire. They're historically on fire. And I'm not saying that I'm not incredibly impressed. I'm just saying I'm not incredibly surprised. In fact, I'm really not surprised at all. Because like I already said last week, nothing a Bruce Bochy team does will ever surprise me. Except maybe play terribly and lose. That would be shocking. But them winning like crazy in October, a Bruce Bochy team, the only thing surprising about that is if you don't know Boch. This is what he and his teams do come October. There's only one bad thing about Bochy's Rangers. And it's got nothing to do with baseball at all. And everything to do with the crap they're bumping in their clubhouse. Now, you know baseball players more than any other group of athletes are superstitious as hell. And when something's working, they don't change. Ever. Unfortunately, they think this is the reason why they're winning. They think this is working. There's one crappy thing about the Texas Rangers, and that's crappy creed. I'm doing my very best to not even think about it while watching these games. It's not easy. But I'm doing my very best to forget about them, creed, altogether as I'm watching these games. The problem is... Creed, the disease, is spreading. It's a disease, and now it's crossing state and league borders. Check out who Kirk Cousins shouted out after the Vikings grinded out a win in Chicago yesterday. Garrett Bradbury in the locker room pregame uh, took a clip from the from the Texas Rangers and made sure that Creed got played before he went out in the field, and I felt like that... That may have made the difference. So we got that going for us. But uh, take any questions, yeah. Come on, Kirk. Don't do that. Don't do that. I've always liked Kirk Cousins. No matter what you want to say about his primetime record, no matter what you want to say about how he's worked the system for all the money he's made, I like the dude. I've always liked the dude. I think he's one of the nicest pro athletes I've ever met. But my guy, that's not going to buy you cover after that take. Don't do that. I got to bring back the DECA no for that one. No, 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 My guy, you know more about football. Check that. You'll forget more about football than I'll ever know in a million years. But I'm here to tell you, Creed is not why you beat the Bears. I know exactly why you beat the Bears. And believe me, the Vikes are the hardest team in the world to bet. Believe me, I know this. And I did bet you yesterday, and you did get me paid. But Creed is not why you beat the Bears. But I can tell you why you beat the Bears. The reason you beat the Bears, Kay, is because they're the Bears. That's why you beat the Bears. Because they're the Bears. And they weren't even the Bears. Because they were the Bears minus Justin Fields. They were the Bears, but being quarterbacked by somebody, something called Tyler Bajan. That's why you won. Tyler Bajan. No offense to Tyler Bajan. Whoever the hell you are, brah. I mean, I know who you are, but whoever the hell you are, brah. I bet Kirk Cousins didn't know. Cousins, what's good? Not Creed. He probably didn't even know who Tyler Bajan was 
when he was sitting in the locker room before the game listening to that terrible ear bleed music. I bet you he still doesn't know who Tyler Bajan is, even after playing against him for a quarter and a half. The Vikings barely beat the Bears with Tyler Bajan playing quarterback, so I'm pretty sure they don't owe Creed anything. In fact, I know it. And I'm positive the Creed has nothing to do with the Texas Rangers winning like crazy either because Creed was already on record. Creed already outed themselves as Marlins Hawks. Not only did they cop to it, they made crappy music to it. It's documented in vinyl or plastic. Whatever they laid that crap down on. They were Marlin honks who made crappy music that was already way too lame 20 years ago. Never mind, oh man, does that sound lame today? That sounded every bit as lame then as it does today. How the hell is this happening with multiple sports teams in multiple leagues in the year 2023? It's a freaking nightmare. And it's the only thing right now not to like about the Texas Rangers. And, and like, fellas, I know you don't want to mess with something that you think ain't broke. But how do you do that knowing that they're on record already as being Marlins honks? And now they're doubling back with Go Rangers Go. Biggest sellout bandwagoners ever. How is that okay with you? They probably got a whole library where they've done one song for every team in Major League Baseball. Make sure that Creed got played. I hate to say it about my guy Kirk Cousins, but how on brand is that? Is anybody at all surprised that that dude's bumping that band? Man, make sure that Creed got played. You needed Creed to beat the Bears? Is that how bad the Vikes are right now? My guy Kirk Cousins is like, no. No, I will not be traded. I will not accept a trade. And you will play Creed. Wow, dude, there's a double whammy. Their season's like almost over already, so they want to see what they can get for you. And you say no. You exercise that no trade. And you exercised. There must be some Creed clause in his con- contract as well. I get to pick the music. I pick Creed. You like that? No, dude. Everybody hates that. Except you and the Rangers. Now, since I was off on Friday, we did not do our normal big head bet segment. And although we do it multiple times during the week, that's the big one. The Friday segment. I didn't do it. I wish we had because it was a pretty productive weekend. ATS, at least for me. Then again, as I mentioned, some of you haters would not have given me any credit whatsoever, and you would have called me a chalky little bitch. And never mind that it got me paid. Anyway, head, what's cracking? Since you and I did not do the segment on Friday, I don't know who you had. How productive was your weekend? First off, I'm not even Barry Switzer following Jimmy for Emmett. I'm more like Dave Campo, but I am here um, for the audience. At, um, overall, Dude, you're, you're looking up at Campo, bro. You're you're not even Dave Campo <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm the Quincy. Carter you're not even Tom Jim here. Sula. You're not. Oh. Dude, you're, you're nothing but Can the big we play head. Tom Jim Sula sound. Alvin. Jim Tom Sula. No, 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 no. That's not why I mentioned that. Yes. Beautiful. Not they're they're gonna exactly. think they're gonna not, think that I set that up. That, anyway, it's it's an impossible ask for me to ask you to follow Emmett Smith, but I'm gonna ask you to follow Emmett Smith. Okay. Anyway, dude, how did you do this past weekend? You and I have three not compared two. notes. Three and two. Um sixty percent, no lefib, so we did okay. We didn't go five and zero, oh, but we still won some money here. I, I hate to be this guy because I know it's gonna get turned around and I'll be on my head. Bro. Mm-hmm. Eight and two ATS. Whoa. Eight and two Whoa. ATS. You might How you wanna, like me now? Yeah, damn. Pretty good damn. day, right? Yeah. I felt a, pretty good. But then there's tonight. That, that was then. This is now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. Tonight's game is tricky as hell. Cowboys at the Chargers. Let's not waste time. Chargers coming off a bye. Cowboys coming off a, wait for it, a hella beatdown mm. at the hands of the Niners. Mm-hmm. See what I did there, Frisco? A hella beat down. 
hella clever on my part, if you ask me. A Frisco, either way ahead. Is the line still one and a half? And if so, what are you doing with that number? Yes, it is. Dallas is favored by one and a half. And even with big Mike McCarthy's ego firing of Kellen Moore looking like a horrible decision right now, I'm riding with the Cowboys tonight. Right now, Big Mike's team is scoring the same exact points as a year ago, but that has a lot to do with their NFL best four defensive touchdowns. Mike's offense without Kellen is rushing for fewer yards per game, passing for fewer yards per game, and they've also gone from the best team in the NFL in the red zone to the 27th ranked one. But I have to be fair here and ask what is worse than a Big Mike-led offense. It's a Brandon Staley-led defense. It's the last in the NFL in defending the past, and as a whole, only Vance Joseph's defense in Denver allows more total yards than Brandon's does right now. Now, that doesn't mean Dallas' defense isn't concerning. It is, and their two losses, they've allowed an average. Bitch your ass, it is. Yes, an average of 195 yards per game on the ground they're giving up, and they also don't have Leighton Vanderesh tonight. I'd expect a heavy, heavy dose of the Chargers ground game tonight, especially with Eckler going, it looks like. But, Jim, this isn't the sissy challenge, as we know. It's time to man the hell up, and nobody <laughs> does that better challenge. than that guy right yeah, there, Micah Parsons. You love that dude, don't you? Love that dude. You love that dude. Absolute alpha. Do you, do you love that dude because of the way he plays, or do you love that dude because he told me it was not the sissy challenge? Both. I figured. Both. I figured. Yeah. That's this that's full. Just an alpha man. Listen to that guy. He's incredible. He is in, yes. He and his dude. Mike Alvin. Will Alvin's right. incredible. There's the Tourette's again. It's incredible. Yep. There we go. Point being, right here. He what is the point? As always, right. And I think they channel what Dez and the kids are calling nowadays as the big penis energy. I like Dallas tonight. I'm riding with the big D minus one and a half. Penix. And they know Penix, that every time dude. he takes the field, he's no. going to bring that big penis energy. He's going to bring that I think I'm right. big penis energy. He's going to bring I think that I'm right. big penis energy. Yeah. That's right, Harry. Let's go, baby. Greatest TV ever right there. Did you, you, is it? Yeah. I got nothing against Daz, but is it? Now, all of a I sudden, we woke up and we looked up, and this is what content is now, right? Oh, uh-huh. And it's everywhere, and you knew I was going to get it. Oh, yeah, no, big I knew you would. Penis yeah, I'll be thanks. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway. There's a lot of jokes like Nick. Yeah, you, 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 like, you like that, dude. Yep. You like that. What are you, nine? So you're going to take the Cowboys. You know what? I'm going the other way. I'm going to take the home dog. I'm going to ride with the Bolts. I don't trust that allegedly historic Cowboy D, especially after seeing what Brock Purdy and the Niners <laughs> did to it last week. That was a hella beatdown. And you know, the thing about me, Head, Mm-hmm. I can make my point and my prediction without bringing up any big penis energy, big all penis right? Energy. I'm better than He's that. Bring that big penis I, I don't need that to make my point. I got, Alvin, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I just think that Justin Herbert is going to have a big night as well. I know he's going to have a big night, and I'm not going to get an invite to the big barbecue up the street, but it won't matter. The Cowboys, to me, have not beaten a 500 team or better. Well, to everybody else, too. Nor have they beaten a quarterback who really matters. Mm-hmm. I don't have nearly the faith in Dak Prescott that Jarrah does. I have even less faith in the big fella, Mike McCarthy. I'm not saying that I don't have my concerns about the Bolts, because I do. And I certainly have felt better about plenty of other picks that I've made in the past. But I'm coming off a good weekend. I can't go the same way as you every single time. I'm taking the Bolts and the point and a half at home, even if it feels like a Cowboy home game. All right. Now try to make your next point without any of that energy that you referenced previously. Is there anything else you're looking at tonight? Yeah, NLCS starts tonight. Let's bet on the series here. Philly is favored to win it at minus 175 to Arizona's at plus two fi- or plus 150. But let's go the Phillies, but at minus one and a half games to get a better number at plus 120 here. I like the Phillies to win. They have the better pitching staff, the better lineup. But even more important, Jim, October, Philly fan is back. The old swamp-ass smack dude is back. We all remember this guy, right, in last year's playoffs? Here's a terrible swamp-ass before every start. Hoskins got with your girlfriend in high school twice. How much sticky stuff's in that hair? 
I know there's something in that lettuce. Show me the old speed. My grandma could have rocked that colors. You need to figure it out. I haven't seen a strike yet. Good that, news, that, that dude's incredible. He Legend. is, and guess what? Guess who was down at the pregame warm-up on Thursday night's elimination game prepping? Spencer Strider, swamp-ass dude, was back again, and he gave it to him again. Hey, Strider, you going to shave before Cancun? Hey, Strider, is your brother Luigi here? Is he coming to the game? Hey, Strider, you kiss your mother with those thighs? Strider, you're a baby, a bum, and a coward. These guys are incredible. Dude, it, it, it's him, man. It's him again. It, Mr. Tough Shot over there. I heard Strider pee sitting down. He wears his sister's pants. He does. No way I'm going against those guys. Who, who's got... better, those guys or Clipper guys? Fat boy. Oh, Fat boy. I got to go with uh, Philly fan here. Because I think he so, too. It's close. Second time. Yeah. It's close. It's yeah. really close. Dez is pretty good, too. I got to give it to Strider! Strider! Philly fan is relentless, man. Philly uh, fan is scary. Arizona's so, trying to prep for him, too. And I, man, you know I love the D-backs. You know I love my guy, Tori. Great. But how, how do you prep for that? How do you prep for that? Can't. You can't, unless you bring that dude down there. Not going to happen. That's why I'm going with Philly minus one and a half games here. Plus All right, so money. it's not a lot to run back, but I'll ask you to run it back. What do you got? Cowboys minus one and a half, and Philly minus one and a half games. All right, Head, appreciate it. Was that, hey, by the way, that piece of meat I had, was that from your personal stock? That was not, but I need to find this place. Where you All right, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get into it. Thank you very much. Beautiful. All right, Head, nice job. James Kelly. Oh, and dude, by the way, thank you very much for meeting me at the airport, which he did not. Good night now!